Hello everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this week's uh, Wind Down Wednesday uh, I'm joined by the lovely Susan Thompson. I nearly keep going Susan Watson. I'm I know, uh, I, I get confused myself, so I must be confusing <laughs> to other people. <laughs> Susan Thompson's last Watson. Um, obviously, Lee's not here this week because he's too busy sunning himself in the glorious Vegas. Um, I think he is at the minute. Um, so Susan's uh, kindly said she'd come on. Um, and we're going to talk about probably loads of different things. We always come on with like a topic to talk about and then we sort of go off on a tangent. Um, but it'll all be relevant. Um, I'm going to let Susan introduce herself and let you guys know who she is. Um, Susan has been on here before, uh, probably quite a few months ago, uh, when we did one of our first podcasts. Uh, and it was really, really popular um, and people learned a lot and it was a really, really good session. So Hopefully everyone's settled, got yourself a drink. If you've got any questions, as always, pop them in the comments. Um, if you are new to this group, uh, my name is Vicky and I run the Pet Accountant alongside Lee. Uh, and we are accountants. Um, we've had quite a few comments in the group recently asking about accountants. Uh, we are accountants, so if you need anything, then you can just drop us uh, a message or an email, uh, anything financial related. But today, slightly off topic uh, where we're going to talk about loads of different things. But first, before we go into it, uh, Susan, do you want to, well, A, thank you for, for being here. B, do you want to just let everyone know who you are and what it is that you do uh, and what we're going to chat about? Yeah. So, um, hi, everybody. My name is, is Susan, as, as, as we know. Um, and I became a dog groomer uh, probably about seven years ago. And I, I came out of the world of corporate, decided I wanted to change working with, with humans because I worked in human resources. And I wanted to change working with humans to working with dogs. I thought that was the easy option. <laughs> so uh, actually all it done was make me work with people and with dogs. <laughs> it was a double whammy. Um, but I set up my own business and went from six months to uh, a fully booked diary within six months. Um, and I done that in a number of different ways. Um, I've never done things by the book. I always want to do things differently. I don't like to follow the crowd. I'll always run away from the crowd. And that's how I built my business. Um, since then, I ha- last year, I, um, my, I sold the house that I was living in that my business was in and I went to live overseas. But since then, I have been a coach to do with business, to do with mindset, to do with manifestation, because from there, I started studying more about the mind and how the mind works, because one of my first mentors was Bob Proctor, and he passed away last February. But he he said to me, you know, it's 95% strategy, 5% mind, um, 95% mindset, 5% strategy. And I always thought, what, what do you mean? I never really understood that. So on a conscious level, you're like, yeah, okay but I didn't understand it. So it's all about like, we can have all the strategies under the world about how to market our business, but I truly believe, and I can share a story for for evidence that it was my mindset and what the exercises that I was doing with my thoughts, my beliefs, 
that got me the success so quickly. Um, and I can share I can share a story about that. So where I used to live, and I've got two dogs, I've got two golden retrievers, and I used to walk the dogs and I'd do leaflet dropping. So going around houses, leaflet dropping, but I would also be having conversations with myself. And a lot of my, my neighbours thought I was a bit bonkers, and, and, and that's okay. So you don't need to have this conversation out loud. You can have it in your head. But this is what happened to me. So I would have conversations. So I've got my phone. And I'd, be, I'd pretend I was on the phone. I'd be, hi, it's Susan, um, dog groomer. Yes, of course, I'd love to fit you in. But actually, I've got a six-week waiting list. I know, it's crazy. And the business has just gone bonkers. Um, I've had so many referrals. It's just bonkers. And yeah, I'd love to take you on board. But are you happy to wait six weeks? That's perfect. No problem. Thank you for phoning. That was the sort of conversation I would have. And I'd done that at least once a day. But as I say, you don't need to have the phone. Sometimes if you know if you're in company, you don't want you, you don't want to get locked up for, for, for having conversations with people. So you can have that conversation in your head. So a few months, we fast forward a few months. I was grooming a dog and my phone went and I was like, hi, Susan the dog groomer. And I was like, I'd love to take you on, but I've got a six-week waiting list. And I just about dropped the phone. Because I was like, that was a conversation that I had. I manifested that. So the leaflet dropping and the advertising was all great. But actually, that proved to me that it was a mindset shift. Um, and ever since then, I've just increased my knowledge and increased I've still done a lot of study on strategy and business strategy, but and that's that's invaluable. But if you have the wrong mindset and you have a, a failure mechanism built into your mind, then you'll just get failure. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And you know what? Obviously, we have these conversations. I I followed you in your group. Oh, it must have been about what two years ago now. And I was really honest with you at the beginning. I was just like. Like you told me what's this crap, you know, and 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 I was really honest with you, and I said, well, you know, what a load of mumbo jumbo, which you know, a lot of people think without actually understanding what it is, and I, you know, I didn't understand what it was, and that's why I probably automatically came to that conclusion, and then I started following you and, and doing things that you were saying to implement in your in your free group on Facebook, and I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm going to give it a whirl, and it actually does work. And I was one of those people that were like, you're talking ass, like, yeah. this. but yeah. actually, you know, I've, I've started, I started to not so much now because of a time issue, but I started to read into it and started reading books and things. And I thought, actually, do you know what? And then I started to journal, which I still do now. Yeah. And I started, yeah, I still do it. I'd probably, again, not as much. I used to do it religiously every day. And then as time went on, you just sort of get busy. And then I, I try and like go in as much as I can. And even that helps, but even just sort of, if I look back at what I was writing in the journals at that time that I was following you and then seeing where I am now, you can see the massive jump. And I think if I'd had a negative mindset, which I probably had before, whether I would have got to where I am now, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, people, you know, and and it's definitely worth following you and going on your group and stuff and looking into it because it does work. And I think your mindset is a massive difference between you being successful and not. Absolutely. Because if you, even if you look at like lots of these um, big like entrepreneurs, like, um, oh, it's, I want to say Russell, but it's not, it's, um, 
He's got Necker Island. What's his name? Oh, Rich Branson. The fella. Um, I, I really, really like him. But if you look at him, you look at Steve Jobs and you even look at Bob Proctor. Bob, you know, like I, I used to get mentoring from Bob and I challenged him all the time because I was sceptical like you as well, Vicky. I was like, this is a load of tosh. But there was something that was making me listen. And Bob, Bob went to school for only three days. That was all he spent in school was three days. And then he, so he was a, a college dropout. He he owed more money than what he was bringing in. And then he started reading and started understanding his mind alongside like the, the, the universe to go really woo-woo because we're, we're, there's all these rules that are in that are in the universe that we work with every single day. But when somebody says to you, oh, well, that's universal law, you're like, she's, she's crazy. She's crazy. And actually, it's it's not because, like you say, things when you start, it's like that there, there, there's a law that I speak about all the time. It's called the law of cause and effect. And if you bring that law into your everyday world, so if you think that you can't charge certain prices, if you think that your pricing structure is not as is, is, isn't competitive, then that is what you're going to get. If you think I'm going to go and charge prices for my worth. I'm going to charge higher prices than everybody. And you have that switch in your mind is switched to uh, that's going to work. And you're convinced that's going to work, then that will work. And that's the same, like, if, if if you take nothing away from this call, take away that, that the cause is your thoughts and your beliefs. The effect is what you're going to get. So you just have to look at what your results are. And if you're not getting clients in or the clients aren't paying, it's because you're thinking that. You get to reverse that. And you get to reverse that belief to say, no, I'm going to charge. I was the most expensive dog groomer where I lived because I wanted to charge my worth. I didn't want to charge what everybody else was charging. Mm. So I, I wanted to give. I wanted to serve my clients but for me to serve them, I needed to, you know, that that comes and 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 then pay me. But nobody, but nobody um ever questioned my prices. Yeah. Nobody questioned them. Because I had that in my mind that nobody will question my prices. I think as well, it's it's with a VAT thing when people go VAT registered. So many people on the groups try and avoid going VAT registered because they're already thinking in their head, I'm going to lose all my clients. None of my clients are going to pay. And it's they start with that mindset and it's like, well, that's just going to follow through when you do hit the VAT threshold because you're thinking they're not going to pay. That negative mindset is just going to roll on and they won't and you will lose customers. You know, I had one year for a week. Um, obviously, I'm not going to mention any names. You hit the VAT threshold and she had a massive panic. And I said, look, they will. I said, you're absolutely fine. Like, stop stressing about it. Like, you'll be absolutely fine. Just send the email, put your prices up and just go with it. And she was like, right, fine. She said, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And she went, right, I'm on it. I'm going to do it. And she sent the email. And then a few days later, she went, thank you so much. Like, nothing's changed. My clients were all fine. And I was panicking about nothing. Um, and, you know, it's business as usual. And I think, you know, if she'd gone in with that mindset, and I do think it does affect you, because if you're negative, what you do is going to be negative, And then everyone else is going to pick up on those negative vibes. And then you just sort of yeah. spark. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of us, 
have heard about the law of attraction because Rhonda Byrne, she wrote the book, The Secret, which was my introduction to it. And I don't do a lot with the law of attraction anymore because there's a lot more to it and it has to work in conjunction with everything else. But, you know, it's, it is that exact way. If you are thinking this isn't going to work, I'm going, you know, clients will leave. And that is where you put your focus. That's where you put your energy. Then that is what you're going to get. But it works the opposite. So it works for the crap. And we are, we do have a program. We are all, 98% of humans are programmed to think lack, to think negative. So there's, it's not like any, there's, we're not doing anything wrong here. That's just how we, life is. Like my mom would say things to me like, do you think money grows in trees? You know, we've all had that. And um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. You know, but we've we've all been programmed. You didn't come into this world with a whole set of beliefs. Your beliefs came from your your caregivers, your teachers, and then they they got their beliefs from their parents, blah blah. And it goes up to fourteen generations. So we're actually living today with beliefs and thoughts from fourteen generations ago. Now that's going to include when times were when we were they were in poverty because we were in war or we were out fighting bears or whatever whatever it is we were doing. But we're not now. Mm. So you know we we haven't we haven't evolved from that. We haven't evolved from that at all. But if you believe that your price structure and it's the same with confidence. Yeah. People will say, I don't have confidence. I, I can't do that. I've not got the confidence. Well, you have got confidence. We all have confidence. I have confidence talking about this. I have confidence in helping people with their business. I have confidence in that, but I've not got confidence being an accountant. <laughs> I've not got confidence and I've got confidence being a dog groomer, but I've not got confidence being a cat groomer. And I've not got confidence to to be a dog walker but I have confidence I have confidence when I put the kettle on I'm going to get hot water Mm -hmm. so we all have confidence and if you're not confident being a dog groomer that's a story you're telling yourself that's all it is and if you're just new to it well of course you've not got confidence because you're new to it you know I I couldn't say right Vicky I'd love to become an accountant please and say well tomorrow well I'm no good at this it's not working for me is it I can't do this I don't know about that Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's like, no, I've not got confidence, but great, I'm going to learn. Yeah, and we have to get used to that feeling. Com- not having confidence in something is actually very normal because it means you're doing something different, and it means that you're growing, and it means that life's going to get you're going to get different results. So it, it probably impacts as well, like you said, from other sources, not necessarily related to you being a dog groomer or a dog trainer or a dog walker. You know, and like you said, it goes back generations. And I always use this example of, you know, when we were little, my mum was exactly the same. She was very much like a hoarder of, of money. And it was like really bad to spend money. And it would always be like, Vicky, you must save, save, save. Don't spend your money. That's what a waste of money. Why have you bought that? What a waste of money. You don't need these trainers. So, you know, and she still is now. Like she she went on a cruise and she was almost like she'd like killed someone. She's like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to tell you, like, I've just spent this much money on a cruise. And I was like, and she's like, well, it like should I have done it? And I'm like, who cares? Like, just spend your money. Like she spent honestly all of her life hoarding it. Um, and, and then I realized when I obviously started following news, I thought, shit, that's what I do. <laughs> and yeah. I was I'd not 
I thought, I'm 35 and I've never treated myself. This is ridiculous. And I, I see all my friends going on all these holidays and stuff. And I think, well, I can't afford it. I just feel almost guilty doing it. Yeah. So now I've switched that round. And now, I mean, now I've probably gone the opposite and I just buy whatever. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, did I need to buy that for that much money? Probably not, but screw it. And I think, and again, it's around the money mindset as well, which I think impacts is that people go, oh, I don't spend that much. But it comes back like we're not going to run out of money. Like no. The world isn't going to run out of money. You know, I panicked about buying this this handbag that cost a fortune, and I thought, oh, screw it. And then, like the next month, it's fine. I've been paid again, and I don't even worry about it. And I think, I think it's a mixture of your money mindset and your mindset in general that affects you then doing your job because all these factors impact. And that's when you go, oh, I've got no confidence to do that. I can't charge fifty quid for a shih tzu. Yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. You just don't want to. Agreed. And it is it is about money consciousness. I've actually just been talking about that this month. Um, I've, I've got a monthly membership um, and I've, the, the, the last few weeks has all been about money consciousness because you're so right. It is money is it's just energy right now again anybody who's interested in spirituality will have heard that before and I, I've heard it and I was like that no money is there for me to spend or not have or whatever I don't get what money is energy but I now understand it that it is just it needs to flow like if we're going to save for a rainy day then guess what's going to happen that rainy day is going to come and you're going to spend it because that's you're giving out that message to the 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 quantum you're giving out that message that I need to hoard this because no more is coming and then the, the universe, how the universe talks to you and how the quantum field, how you talk to it is quite different. So we have to be, we, we have to understand what money actually is. And it should, it should flow. So it goes out, but it comes in. It's ebb and flow. It goes out, it's like the sea it goes out, it comes in. The tide goes out and in. The sun goes up and down. Money is the same. It must keep moving. It must keep circulating. Otherwise there's a block. And when there's a block, you might you'll hoard you'll hoard the money, but there's something will come along to take it away from you. Yeah. And you'll end up it's like and another thing is like it's um for, for us to understand and to get to 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 raise our consciousness around money. If you think about um some lottery winners where they win millions and then two years later they're skint, they've 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 arsed it all and they've not, you know, they've not got a penny. And there the, the, there's no reason it's not like they were bad with the money. They weren't you know, the, 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 there was nothing wrong apart from them. They didn't have the money consciousness to hold that money, to hold being a millionaire because they were used to earning 20, 30, 40 K a year. So that that's where their limit is. So again, to raise your money consciousness, it's about working on yourself and working on your beliefs and actually saying, those beliefs are a load of crap. I don't Do I really believe that money grows in trees or doesn't grow in trees? And you're like, no, I don't believe it. Because where is that written? It's not written in the sky that money grows on trees and and there's a lack of it and you're not going to get any more. And you weren't born to say like when you were born, you weren't like nobody put a spell on you to say, well, Vicky, you're going to get tons of money, and Susan, you're going to get naff all toots. That doesn't happen. It's all down to you. Yeah. Everything is within you. So how would you if there's if there's people watching and they're wondering about pricing themselves and and what to do. How would like what advice would you give them with regards to their, their pricing? So obviously you've been there and you've done it, and obviously this is relevant to whatever you do, whether you're a groomer or walk aboard or whatever. 
what advice would you give them? I think it's, it is useful to see what others are charging in, in your area. Um, and even like for, even for people starting out, then I would certainly use those as a guide. And, I, you know, I, I did. I used them as a guide. But then when I started and started actually doing the work and thought, you know, I want to do something different. I want to I've got this and I've got my flow and I'm starting to get clients. And then I decided I wanted a different setup because what I, I kept thinking, are you joking? I'm charging like 15 quid for whatever, because that's what Tinkerbell down the road's charging. So I'm just going to charge that. And I was like, no, because I spent two hours with that dog and it isn't, uh, you know, when you break it all down and figure out what your hourly rate is and you're like, I'm not doing that for a fiver. I'd rather go and sit and eat what's it and watch Netflix. I'm not doing it. Yeah. So, I, I, I started like, no, what I'm, I have to charge my worth. And I'm actually giving a really good service here. So I did change my services slightly and I became a holistic, fear-free dog groomer. So I specialized. Mm. And then the service that I was offering, because they were coming into the, the back garden, they got the garden to play with. Um, you know, there was no, I, I was a lot less strict with my clients. And then I just thought, right, what feels right? What feels right to charge it? Because you have to start trusting yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, so I put my prices up and I was like, a, a, a bit like you, you, your, your client. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do that. But nobody batted an eyelid. It was me. I had the problem. So I, again, I had to shift that. I have to shift that belief. So prices went up, prices went up, prices went up. I put my prices up three times in one year. And that was after lockdown. They went up. Um, and nobody, I never lost one client, not once did I lose a client. So I think, yes, it's good to get a, 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 a gauge on where you are. But the other thing is I started looking at prices for people in London, you know, and, and some some people were charging the same as, as what I was up in Scotland. Some people were charging three times that amount. And I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to charge. I'm just going to charge what I think it's worth. Yeah. So I did. And I became the most expensive. Everyone's situation is going to be different. You might have one groomer that's charging, you know, pennies in comparison, but they could be a millionaire and they're doing it as a hobby. So the pricing for them doesn't matter. You know, I think, yes, use it as a guide. And I think people have got to drill down into what their hourly rate should be when they take the utilities, the shampoo or the the equipment, etc., rather than just going, well, she charges 15 quid, so I'll charge 15 quid, or maybe I'll charge 18 quid. Yeah. Without having, or, or without realising what it is they actually need to earn per Absolutely. month. Because a lot, and I, and I see it all the time, and, and I have chats with clients about it, I'm like, why are you charging so cheaply? If yeah. you work that out as an hourly rate, you, you know, I think one lady called me the other day, and she rents a table, and they were taking, what was it? 55% of the total groom is a fee. And she and her partner worked it out and she was only making something like six pounds an hour. And I said, you know, I said, A, that's an extortionate amount to be taken from you anyway. I said, but you may as well go and do something else. You know, six pounds an hour, and you're using all of that training and energy and time and health. For six pound an hour, I said it. You know, I said you need to you need to renegotiate or find somewhere else. Um, yeah. And I think 
the problem is people don't look at what the hourly rate should be or what they actually need to earn to make a living and make a profit yeah. and then work your prices out from that. It doesn't matter if someone in London's charging 50 quid or in Scotland they're charging 50 quid. It's irrelevant. All hairdressers charge the same. You know, all accountants pretty much, well, that's probably a bad example because it's a bit here, there and everywhere with accountants, but it doesn't matter whether you've got an accountant in London or an accountant in Newcastle. You know, the prices shouldn't vary that much. Um, but like you said, I think it comes down to a mindset of various different things, inputs from everybody else. Absolutely. And just look at what you actually, you know, or niche like you did, yeah. do something a bit different to stand yeah. out from the crowd. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm looking for a dog groomer or a dog trainer and I Google it, what, you know, if I get 10 people come up, what, what's going to be different to make you stand out from those Absolutely. 10 people? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I, uh, me, I don't I go I don't go for cheapest. I don't always go for the cheap option. There's certain things that I do, like when I'm going to get my nails done, I'll go for the cheap option. I'm like, yeah, I'll just I'll go there because they're they're 20 quid. But when it comes to my dogs, hell no. Um, like I just spent three and a half grand on one of them and I didn't have her insured. So I gave three and a half grand to get her operated on, and there was no question. So if I was looking for a groomer and these are the thoughts that were going through my head is would I go to somebody who was cheap and you know no I wouldn't so if I wouldn't I don't want to attract other people who would so if my prices are cheap I'm going to attract clients who might and I'm just going to be really um I'm going to put like I'm just making all this up so this isn't anything about people who do things cheap like I, I do things cheap but I don't want to put my prices so cheap that I'm going to get that people that are going to come in and be an absolute nightmare for me. Where when I was attracting people who were like me because they would pay the prices and money wasn't their driver. Yeah. I was attracting clients like that. So I used to do a, a meet and greet before every groom. And um, at that point, it would, wouldn't be until the very end. And I would say to them, do you want to know how much I'm going to charge you? Because money wasn't an option, an an object, an, an objection. Because I was giving them service, yeah. and to the point where they were like, "I don't give a shit how much this is. I'm going to that girl because she's using this, she's using that." And I think what you said about hourly rate, because when I took into account all the products that I was using that were slightly more expensive because they were all natural, the time I was taking a lot longer to do a groom than other than other people because it was all fear free. My training, I had, I have to put that in. All the the treats and the the things, you know, licky mats and all of that. That all got taken into account. Yeah. And here's the other thing that we often don't think about is, if I was charging, if I was giving that groom and charging twenty quid, and then at the end, I'm actually quite resentful because I'm like, like that girl you're talking about, who's only getting forty five percent and working at six quid an hour. I would be resentful at that and be this is and I wouldn't I wouldn't give a good service. Yeah. So it's it's a knock-on effect to how who you think you are. It's a knock-on effect to your confidence. Because when I was charging 70 quid for a cockapoo to groom a cockapoo, and I was like that, I'm worth every flipping penny of that. So yeah. my confidence, you know, it, it was like I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do, you know, uh, you it, it will do so much more for your self-image. Yeah. And I think you need to work out 
what kind of customer it is that you want to attract as well. You know, what is your ideal customer? If your ideal customer is the ones that are, like you said, price driven and will come to you because you're the cheapest in the area, then then so be it. But, you know, it's going to be very hard as well if you start your prices so low to then get them where they should be because no one's going to like a massive increase. You know, normally increases are done in small increments. But if you're going to go from 20 quid to 70 quid, your customers are going to be like, what the hell? You know, it also makes it Once you've set that price, you're screwed, you know, because then it's going to be really hard to up it. And I think you're right. Is you're going to attract that kind of person that is literally just there, not because you might be a, a good dog groomer or a good dog boarder or whatever. They're purely there because you're cheap. Money, yeah. Money, and yeah. that is the customer that you don't want because don't that's want. going to cause you a headache. Set those prices high, and you you'll get you know like people like me and you that spend a fortune on their dogs. You know, I would take Frank, not that he needs groom, but let's say Mabel then because she's wide haired. If I had a groomer that was so good with Mabel and was really good at doing the hand stripping, but said, actually, I'm going to cost you, two, I was going to charge you 200 quid yeah. because it's going to take me three hours and I've got to hand, stand there and pluck her. <laughs> I don't know the right terminology. That's probably wrong, but you know what I mean? I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> because yeah. I'm not bothered really what you charge me because I know she's in safe hands and I know that you're good at your job and that you're going to look after her. I don't care what you charge me. Yeah. Yeah, but see how all that, like the price that I was charging um, was the way that I was, like my attitude to that price was I was confident in it. I knew they were getting a good service, but because I was confident and because I was happy with my price, my clients, I would say, listen, my, my, I'm putting my prices up and, and it's because, and they'd be like, ah, I don't care, just take it, take it. Do do whatever you need to, and I was like, it, it's all about who, how you put that that over as well. A lot of us will put our prices up, but we're like, I'm really sorry, I need to put my prices up, and oh my gosh, and I, it's only by four pence, but I really need to put my prices up. But if we're going in like that, that's what we're going to get back again. The law of cause and effect. Make sure that your thoughts are, I'm putting my prices up because you're getting a flipping good service. Yeah. Because and my prices have gone up. But I want to continue giving you that level of service. Clients will love you. We love our dogs more than we love some people. Great. <laughs> we need to remember that. We need to remember that, you know, people are coming. Like you want to have somebody who's who's happy to leave you their dog and leave you complete and utter trust with their dog. Yeah. And that, you know, if... if, if you want to get it's about attracting you know good loyal clients um when I packed in my business and was saying to, to people I'm, I'm leaving honestly I had snot and tears from so many clients and they were like what am I going to do you were you you are the only groomer in this area who does what you do so yeah. again the other thing to put your prices up even higher is to niche um, and that's exactly what I done. I just, I, I just, I, I just went all in and and niched. Yeah, I think niching is obviously very popular. No, we did it as well with, yeah. the, with the pet accountant, and yeah. it, it doesn't even have to be something as big as that. Like, it could be something really small that's yeah. so apart from all of the other pet businesses in your area, and it could be anything. You know, Tegan was the same when she was a dog groomer. Um, she groomed a lot of dogs, other um, like pets at home and stuff like that, refused to groom them because they were like XL bullies or, or something like that. 
Um, so she groomed all of those. And yeah. when she left, like her clients had a complete meltdown. Yeah. Because I will, you know, who, my dog only likes you. Like, where else am I going to go? Like, who are you going to send me to? Yeah. And she had text messages and calls for weeks and months after she stopped from people saying, I just cannot find another groomer that either the dog loves or takes care of the dog as good yeah. as it is. Yeah, you know? I and think. You've got. They would have paid anything, and again, she and she would admit that she probably started off too cheap, but then she did start putting her prices up, and the clients didn't care. They were like, "Good, I'm glad to put your prices up because you were too cheap." Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I had that from a few clients, and I would say, you know, it's it's whatever, um, and they'd be like, "Oh, here, take an extra tenner," or they'd bring me lunch, or you know, they were always buying you stuff. You actually form such a good relationship because you're charging your worth. So if you're saying to somebody it's 70 pounds for a cockapoo or however much it is, then you you want to serve them better. You want to because you want you you you're grateful for them coming to you and paying that price. So you want to serve them. Where if it's just 20 quid, you're like, right, give me the 20 quid. There's your dog, right? I see ya. You know, it was for me, it was all about that relationship as well. Because I I like that. I like to have a chat with people and you know, like you say what other groomers didn't do I was like I'll do it aggressive mm. dogs I started getting a reputation for taking on aggressive dogs but I wouldn't um, be that's that. what Tegan did yeah she took on you know what other groomers class as aggressive dogs yeah. but actually it's just they didn't take the time to understand the dog and to work with the dog it's yeah. just give me a dog give me 20 quid there you go see you later absolutely so it, it, it could be anything you could niche in. It could be that you only you specialize in cockapoos. It Absolutely. Could be in aggressive dogs or, or big breeds, or you specialize yeah. in small breeds. It doesn't mean that you can't do the other dogs. It just means that that's your speciality. Like we specialize in the pet industry, but we still do other industries as well. Yeah. Our knowledge lies probably more in the pet side. So it could be anything. And I think that's what's going to catch people's eye. I had a lady that... I chatted to years ago who said, oh, um, there's so many bloody cockapoos in this area. Every time I see a dog, it's always a cockapoo. I get so many cockapoos. I said, well, why don't you niche in cockapoos? I said, you've got 10 other groomers within the three-mile radius of where you are. You're not on a high street. You work from home, so it's not as if you can advertise outside and go, by the way, with loads of dogs in here. I said, why don't you just call yourself, you know, a cockapoo specialist if you're grooming a lot of cockapoos and you're good at it? And she went, oh, I never really thought about that. And she did it. And she, funnily enough, the clients went up because people who had a cockapoo were going on Google. Oh, well, there's nine that just are a dog groomer, but actually this person. Yeah, she's specialist. I'm going to go there. Yeah. And Absolutely. Was that. Uh, Rachel, I don't know if you can see the comments from uh, Rachel's put, Susan has inspired me so much and a thousand, a thousand percent it does work. I visualized how I wanted my business to go and it's happening. I really believe thoughts become things good and bad and then she put money is energy literally two seconds before you said it um and then there's put cockapoo's rule (laughs) (laughs) but I think that is amazing that like to niche in a breed because like you 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 then just need to learn a little bit about that breed you know it's not like you have to do anything but then your knowledge will automatically increase because all you're doing is cockapoo after cockapoo after cockapoo yeah. so your knowledge will start to increase and you become this specialist you know and the thing is you're like that but I'm not a specialist I'm just a dog groomer but to that owner you are a specialist yeah I couldn't 
I mean, give me some scissors and I'd, God knows what Mabel would look like if I had to go. Like, it should probably look horrific. I don't know. So I take Mabel to, if someone was a sausage dog specialist groomer, I'd 100% go there because it's a mindset thing. They go, oh, they must be, they must be good. Exactly. People now have like sausage dog hotels and things like that because it's such a popular breed. Yeah. I've got two. If I was looking for a dog boarder, and I had like a million, but one was a sausage dog hotel. I'm yeah. automatically going to lean more towards that because yeah. I've got a sausage dog. And I'm just automatically going to pay more attention to that one. So why not? Yeah. If you know you've got loads of cockapoos or loads of sausage dogs or loads of golden retrievers, yeah. then why not that unique selling point and go, well, actually, this is what I specialize in. Absolutely. I think just make sure it's a breed that you can specialise. Don't do yeah. it and then think, oh, there's 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 one in like the whole of the north of England or whatever. Just yeah. you know, make sure and make sure it's something that you enjoy because it's not it's it's about you because if you're doing something that you enjoy, then it's you know, that the, then we start getting into the realms of you're doing a job that you love. And if you do a job that you love, then it's not a job. You know, so I think. That for me was was important as well because when I was just grooming and charging whatever, I was just like, I'm not really enjoying this. I wasn't, mm. I just, I wasn't feeling it. And then when I started to specialise and people started asking me questions and people started coming to me and saying, I've got this aggressive dog. So I was like, oh, I'll do it because I'm going to try X, Y, and Z with it. It actually gave me a boost yeah. and it gave me an interest. And I wanted to be that specialist and you know they were people were look were relying on me so I was like right well I've got I've got to serve them mm. so it, it had a huge shift in me as well and you know it gave me that confidence again you know to walk up you know to walk about Asda and people were going oh, that's that dog groomer she does this and she does that oh that's that lady that talks to herself down the street <laughs> that's one, yeah that's what mostly people said yeah, it was like that she's a bit crazy stay away from her I was the same though because when I did like general accounting for like plumbers and electricians and and whoever it was a bit like god it was like dull and I was like why am I doing this job it was just horrific and then obviously when I came up with a pet account and I thought well I love pets I've got quite a few dog groomers on my books anyway let me look into this and then obviously it spiraled from there now you know I have clients on the phone all day every day and we just have a we just have a natter you know I was talking to yesterday about how to get a flight upgrade because she used to be a flight attendant <laughs> so I was like I'm going on holiday next month how do I get a free upgrade yeah. and we ended up talking about 20 minutes about holidays um but you know and, and Tegan talks to everyone about if they're a groomer she'll talk their ears off about grooming for like half an hour um but it's just a, a much nicer atmosphere much nicer clients and, you know, again, it's it's about not taking every client that, that comes across your path and it, because you can say no, because they're not yeah. always going to be a good fit. We get people that ring up and I automatically go, this is just not going to work. Yeah. Thought, Do you know what? Like, this is, I'm not the right accountant. I'm the right one. Yeah. I don't think we're going to, we're going to gel and you yeah. need to gel. You need to be able to ring me. Um, and sometimes you do turn people away, which is awkward. And it's like, oh, it's cringe. But you don't have to take every customer that crosses your path. And I think sometimes oh. people know that the customer's going to be an arse and yeah. then take them anyway. And then they're like, oh, God. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the thing is, is that person will be better suited somewhere else because there will be a groomer out there that that they gel with. But, yeah. you know, we, we can't we, you can't gel with everybody. 
you know, and, and if you're like, probably don't like me. I had one complaint because I swore and I thought, well, that yeah, and do you know, hey, that's okay. I'm I'm obviously not the accountant for you because no. I, I, you know I, I, I like a swear, and that's <laughs> you. They, they'll go somewhere else, you know. Like a swear and a drink. Swear, <laughs> nothing wrong with a swear and a drink and some cheese and, and onion. <laughs> But no, I mean, we, we, we've gone off tangent again, which we no, there's it's, a surprise. It's good. Just before we go, um, because I've got to ring someone at seven because I was meant to be picking up uh, keys for a house on Friday. Third time, the first two fell through at various stages, not because of me. Finally found one and I was meant to get the keys on Friday and that's messed up again. So I've got to ring the estate agent at seven o'clock. But uh, yeah, but I'm like, I'm trying to stay positive. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. Just imagine yourself getting the keys. Just imagine yeah. you get. <laughs> like, yeah, I am. Trust me. I thought if this falls through again, I swear. No, to it won't. God. It won't. Don't give that any. But I'm like, no, no, it's fine. We'll, we'll not dive into the gin just yet. But um, yeah, before we go, just tell everyone about your Facebook group. We will put um, details on the group anyway, but just to give ideas of, of what you actually offer and where they can find you. Yeah. So I have two groups at the moment. So we've got the Manifesting Hub um, and I also have um, one and it's called Pricing. Oh, God, what's it? It's completely gone out of my head now. Sorry. So I'm like the same when people ask me the name of this group. Um, I'm sure it's called sales pricing and a little bit woo woo. And that's more geared towards like the dog grooming and business side of it. Um, So you can find me on either group or I'm on Facebook as well. Um, Right now I've got an offer on because I'm doing business audits. So um, if anybody's out there and they do want to talk about their their pricing, they do want to talk about what's next, if they want growth or whatever, then I'm offering you to spend an hour with me or longer, as however long it takes. Um, and we'll go, we'll we meet through Zoom and we'll just go through everything. There will be some mindset stuff in there because you can't have one without the other. Um, and that's just that that's what I believe. I work a lot with intuition now as well. So that, you know, sometimes I can go a little bit woo-woo and people are like, she's she's lost the plot. But I promise you it works. It's amazing. So there on there who's who's worked with you. So there you go. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, I've got the business audit um out there at the moment. Um and I've got um I've got a few freebies that are happening as well next week and the following week. So um, and then I'm hopeful to be bringing out the three month group coaching again. So I'm just working on that just now and get seeing how all that's going to work. Fabulous. Um, Lots of stuff coming out. The stuff. Fab. Well, if you're not in any of those groups, please, please get in them. Like I said, if you want a, um, a testimonial from me, like I said, I was a bit like, yeah, this is what I would have asked. But um, I actually I actually did follow Susan and the stuff does work. So there you go. And it looks like Rachel has been involved with it as well. So lots of people in the group that can give you um, some yeah. feedback. But we'll get all of Susan's details on the group and links. Um, oh, Rachel's just put the best thing I did for my biz. Oh, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> so there you go. Um, we'll put everything on the group uh, so you can get access to it. I'm sure we'll have you on again uh, soon. And mm. this will obviously be on the podcast as well. So we'll put all the details on the, in the links on the podcast as well so people can get you Amazing. from there. Fabulous. Yeah. 
Right. Thanks very much. Oh, thank you very much for your time and stepping in. Um, and Rachel's, and Vicky, of course. I mean, Rachel, I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it to come and it has eventually. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Um, but yes, uh, we'll be back next week uh, with Lee because he's back off his jollies um, and any topics you want us to discuss, please just put them in the group. Otherwise, have a great uh, week. Have a good weekend. Stay safe and we will both catch you all later. And Susan, please put all your details in the group. I will do. Thank you so Bye. much. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed my podcast, don't forget to subscribe for me. And if you want to speak to me, please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk. And if you'd like to join my Facebook group, which is full of like-minded pet professionals, then search Accounting for Pet Professionals in Facebook and I will see you there.